we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Wednesday, October 6th, CSI, the global phenomenon, opens a brand new chapter in Las Vegas. And an existential threat calls the crime lab's legacy and future into question. A brilliant new team of investigators will enlist the help of friends from the past as they deploy the latest forensic techniques to do what they do best, follow the evidence, in order to preserve and serve justice in Sin City and uncover the truth. CSI Vegas series premiere Wednesday, October 6th on CBS. I thought you were recording me, but I guess you won't put me on your podcast. I will not. No, 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 no. This Good. is simply to remember. so it's I can okay. talk okay. to you. I will but, and I didn't record it because I... No, Martine, I'm not going to publish the full tape of our conversation together at the Sartre de Quebec. Uh, have no fear. But we'll get to that story later. This is Who Killed Teresa, and I'm John Allure. A couple of weeks ago... Uh, a friend of mine who I went to school with uh, lost his his son. Um, he died unexpectedly on a field trip from a medical condition. Um, no one could have foreseen it. it. It just happened. And it's curious because, you know, I... We're friends on Facebook and, uh, you know, like we all post pictures of our families. Um, and he has two kids, a, a son and a daughter, let's say eight and six years old, something like that, maybe six and four. Um, and uh, these kids are like cute as a bug's ear. It's the only time, it, it, it's rather unusual for me to reach out and uh, single out, you know, him. But I did text him and say, you know, Patrick, your your kids are just stupid cute. I mean, and, and I say that knowing that I, I love my daughters, but your kids are cuter. And, you know, and within a year of maybe saying that, um, the family suffers this horrible tragedy and I just thought you know th this is it right this is the the killing joke this is how life serves it up I'm gonna tell a few stories today uh, about my travels last month to uh, Montreal I think I had alluded to that. So I went to Montreal um, for about four days. I uh, traveled up uh, with one of my daughters, uh, stayed with my brothers. Um, and then um, uh, Friday night, I had to go to an event and I'll just, I'll just say it. I, the reason I went, I got an award um, it, <laughs> um, look, it is the 150th anniversary of uh, the Canadian Senate. Uh, for, for those who don't know, the Senate in Canada is different from the Senate in the United States. In the United States, um, you're elected for a term. Um, in, in Canada, you're appointed for life and uh, the the idea is you're supposed to be stewards and ambassadors of goodwill doing good projects uh, that aid Canadians. Of course, we all know, those of us who live in Canada, at times the image of the Senate has been tarnished, probably most notably recently by this Senator Mike Duffy, um, who uh, was using the office, let's just say, for his, his own advantage. Uh, anyway, so that's the Canadian Senate. And for the 150th anniversary, they uh, they wanted to give these these medals out um, 
to to people um, within their Senate constituencies who had done uh, good good deeds, good work uh, uh, for people. Um, and uh, I think each senator got um, ten medals, something like that, to give out. There's a hundred senators, so a uh, thousand medals, one-time deal. It's not like an annual thing. Although I think this did start in 2017, so a lot of the medals have been given out. Of course, um, immediately there was controversy. As soon as they roll out this program, senators start giving medals to themselves. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so uh, in in the summer. Uh, last summer, I was approached by the office of Senator uh, Pierre Boisvenu. A lot of you know that we have known each other over the years and asked if I would like to accept um, this award. Um, well, of course. Uh, why not? Uh, I kind of said, what's it for? And they said, well, for the good that you've done, which is, you know, three cheers and a tiger for me. That's great. Um, so, um, you know, in preparing to go up, uh, I, uh, I was sort of asking, you know, who, who else is, is going to get it? Cause I thought I, I thought I knew who was going to get it. Um, we'll, we'll get to that later. I, I, I barely knew anyone who received the honor. Uh, and, and frankly, there's several people I feel were more deserving than me. But nevertheless, uh, you know, fortunate for me, it wasn't my decision. So, so there you there you go. So anyway, the um, so there's a small ceremony at the uh, Armory of the Black Watch in Montreal, which is uh, the that Armory is just behind the Place des Arts. It's on Blurry Street, just south of Sherbrooke. Uh, so uh, like a ceremony, I think, I think between, I think it was between like um, six and eight thirty, something like that. Um, so as I said, uh, you know, in preparing for this, uh, I, um, I, I, my, my daughter said, uh, you know, I want to get off college campus for a bit. It's the holiday. Uh, can I come with you? I said, yeah, sure. Uh, um, I said, why don't you come to the ceremony? She said, okay, that sounds like a lot of fun. So uh, we get to Montreal, and um, as I said, I think the original plan is we're going to take like a commuter train in to uh, near where Windsor Station uh, was in Montreal and take the metro around and then public transit it back to my brothers and then my sister-in-law had this suggestion she said um why why don't you stay at paul's place uh in lachine you know and then you can you know you don't have to worry about uh, you know coming all the way back here off the island and uh i was like well that's a pretty good idea let me paul um <clears throat> so who's who's paul he's an old family friend and uh, I, I always had heard, you know, he had bought like a, a condo or something in Lachine along the Lachine Canal, which at one time was very industrial, but has over the years gotten more and more tony. And uh, uh, so I, I knew he had lived there and uh, um, and it was right on the metro line uh, on the... I think it's on the green or the orange line. I think it's the green line. Uh, it is the green line. And um, so I thought that, well, this is a, this is a pretty, pretty good idea. And, and Paul, uh, Paul is a, a old friend of my, um, my brother and his wife. They went to McGill together. Uh, my brother and Paul were in like a new wave band in the eighties together, guitar and bass um, I, I, I think one of the, I've, I've played with Paul before. Occasionally we've, we've jammed Paul and Andre and I played the music for my niece's wedding. Uh, 
for my brother's wedding for his stag party, I remember uh, we ended up at the old Munich, which is no longer there. On it used to be on Dorchester in Montreal. Um, you you may recognize that name because the old Munich is the last place Jocelyn Hool was seen in 1977 before she was found murdered. Um, anyway, I she she went missing. Uh, leaving the old Munich, walking north to St. Catharines. I went missing from the the old Munich because um, after several too many beers in this Oktoberfest umpapa kind of bar, I was outside in the back alley uh, barfing my my brains out, and I remember it was Paul who 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 came to my rescue and sort of shepherded and chaperoned me back to, um, you know, semi-coherency. So, uh, so that's Paul. Um, and, and later, you know, uh, I'm, I'm friends with a couple of people, um, Emma and Ari, who were in a band called Lost in the Trees uh, from North Carolina. And uh, like they were doing a mini tour of Canada and needed a place to stay in uh, Montreal. And uh, I said, well, you should stay with Paul because he's a bachelor and he lives in Lachine. And, and so they did. Uh, uh, Paul, uh, in addition to playing bass at that wedding of my niece, he even officiated at the wedding. That's how close he is. He's close to the next generation. He's close to my niece and my nephew. So longstanding ties. So, um, anyway, got a key, uh, got, got the address, uh, you know, I'm, I'm map questing, Google mapping my way to Paul's on a Friday with my daughter, you know, in our car, uh, in, <laughs> in her, her car, uh, and, uh, driving down there and I'm suddenly realizing that, uh, we're not going to Lachine, we're going to Point St. Charles. And so we're, you know, we're driving along and and all of a sudden uh, things are getting a little unsettlingly familiar. So we're driving along and all of a sudden we, we turn onto Wellington Street. And I'm like, oh, I know Wellington Street. Um, you know, past Ash, we get to uh, Rue Sharon and we, we hang a right and this, this, you know, this condo is just down the street. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is like to, to, you know, to my South is where Sharon Pryor was headed to that pizza parlor in 1975, but never made it. And to my north is Congregation, Rue Congregation, where she lived, where she headed out that night in 1975, April, late March, April uh, 1975. I'm like, I'm like, I'm right in the thick of it with my, my daughter, um, you know, on this night that is supposed to be about... Um, you know, a uh, a reward for a race well run, and I have to be you know reminded of affairs back in 1975, and uh, so <clears throat> we get to this place, and it's beautiful. You know what it is is. Uh, He's t he's taken what was two apartments, like an, an upstairs and a downstairs, and he's joined them together. But um, even further, like in looking at the lay of the land, it's, it's about probably about a hundred year old building. Um, you can see that it was even further subdivided. There were probably at one time five families living in that unit, like th I think three or three units upstairs and two units downstairs. Very, very small. So immediately you get this image, and we've alluded to it before, this movie, The Point, 
Point St. Charles, La Pointe, by um, uh, National Film Board of Canada, where you see the poverty from the like the sixties and seventies, where there are all these people um, crammed in these tenements. Um, you know the the Irish immigrants, uh, as we've said before, and you're you're surrounded by these rail yards in in the point, and you know buttressed by the Lachine Canal. So it's very it's very hard to access and get out of get out of that area. Um, so I'm like, okay, fine, I'm I'll play it cool. And uh, so you know, early afternoon, maybe one about one o'clock, we we head out. My my daughter. She's got friends in Montreal, although they're not, she tells me, they're not really friends. They've never really met. Uh, <laughs> this is not reassuring. Um, but she says, well, you know my friend Ash? And I'm like, oh, of course I know Ash, because every time I hear the name Ash, I say in my head, Ash is a robot. Um, so that's how I, uh, I know, um, I know Ash. She's not alien to me. And, uh, she said, "Well, like it's it's friends of Ashes who I know on social media, but um, I've uh, I, haven't, I haven't met them yet. Okay, so where do they live? Well, one of them lives in Longueuil, and I'm like, there's no fucking way you're not going to Longueuil. You can just forget about that. Well, you, you, I, I I don't want to go to Longueuil either. The other one lives um, over by uh, the, the Olympic Stadium and uh, the Botanical Gardens. I'm like, okay, I know that part of town." That's all right. So she's like, I'm going to go meet them. We're going to jazz around and do some stuff in the plateau. Uh, I may go see her band is playing a concert at a record shop. I may do that, but I'll I'll meet you at six o'clock at the Black Watch Armory. I say, fine, great. Um, so I walk her to like the the metro station at the Bell Center. And of course, the the only way out is you got to take a straight shot up Wellington. So we're walking up Wellington, you know, through the the cold. It was an extremely cold day. Cold and the slush. It has snowed. Bitter cold. And, you know, you know how that Montreal snow gets after, you know, Cars have driven through it, like on a main throughway, like Wellington. It's, it's that brown, black, gray goop. Uh, you, you know, it's been stained by car exhaust, and uh, you know, there's there's salt mixed in with it. It's just a fucking mess. And uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just focus on not Sharon Pryor, although we cross under Highway 112 up to to the Bell Centre. Bell Centre is the, where the Montreal Canadiens play. We uh, we go in the gift shop because what the hell, right? Uh, we buy some trinkets, some stuff, and then uh, I, um, I take her to the Metro and I kind of introduce her to the Metro and how to take it, get it. We both get like a three-day pass and kind of explain, the, you know, the 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 orange line, the blue line, the green line, the yellow line, which you are never to get on because that takes you to Longay, and you're not going to the Longay terminus uh, ever. Um, stay on the the green and orange, and you're all right. And uh, so she she goes off, <clears throat> and uh, I don't know. I fuck around and do some shit for a while in Montreal. We'll get to that. Uh, but around six o'clock, uh, uh, she and I meet up at the, uh, the, the armory and walk in and there's, um, there's, it's a small affair. There's like, there's no media at this thing, uh, for this award ceremony, for this, this medal. Um, there's, uh, there's probably about 20 people there. Uh, the Senator is there with his, his wife, Isabel. Um, the Speaker of the House was there, the House of Commons uh, from Ottawa. Um, and then these award recipients, um, none of whom I know, with the exception of one of them. I, I know uh, from going in the, in the room, um, 
and now her name uh, escapes me. Uh, I know Colette uh, Roy, uh, and, and I know Colette because she is the former mayor of Lake Magantic. And if um, um, Lake Magantic was this horrible um, crisis in the eastern townships, um, I think in 2014. And yeah, I know it made the international news, but you may have forgotten it. So there's a, there's a small village called Lake Magantic. Um, and up on the hill, a, a train, a fuel train, uh, has parked for the night. Um, but somehow the, the brakes slip loose. And in the middle of the night, it rolls down the hill into the village of Lake Magantic and combusts the village. Um, people die. It's this horrible, horrible uh, tragedy. And uh, Madame Wise, it's kind of a a textbook um, case of uh, crisis management, uh, what to do uh, in the uh, in the event of a, a crisis like this. It's been studied. In fact, I had even, um, I used to moonlight over at an, another podcast called Gov Love, Government Love, um, and talk about municipal affairs. And the first one I did for Gov Love was with a guy named Gord Hume, who wrote a book called The Leadership Crisis, and he features a chapter on uh, uh, Colette Roy Roy that um, we discussed on that podcast. So as soon as I meet Madame Roy, I say, um, do you speak English? And she doesn't, and it becomes very clear that my French is is, is much better than her English. And, um, well, that's not saying much. But anyway, so we start talking, and she she lets it know that uh, to me that not only does she not speak English, probably the only English person she knows <laughs> is this guy named Gord Hume. <laughs> so that starts things. Um, uh, so uh, my my daughter arrives slightly late, which is unnerving because they stressed punctuality. She comes in with like a food container because she had dinner with her new friends and has this container of leftovers. Um, we quickly sit down um, for this uh, this ceremony, uh, which was very lovely. Uh, you, there were nine recipients, and uh, what you did is you kind of stood up there um, next to the senator. His assistant kind of read a paragraph on what it is you did uh, that merited the award, and then you'd pose for some photos with the senator, and uh, he would give a personal um, recollection of, um, you know, of the recipient. Uh, in my own case, what he, what he told was, um, and and his his wife told me this too. I, it, this event, and I've I've talked about it before, seems to have made. A, um, a, a bigger impression on him than it did on me, um, although it did make an impression on me. And it it was the time at the... Uh, it, Pierre says all of this in French. The whole ceremony is in French, and uh, my daughter speaks French, so there's not a problem there. Um, but what he alluded to was the time in 2003 when we Pierre and I first met, and I called him up. Uh, I cold-called him. I just knew that he had lost a daughter to murder and uh, and it was recently find, trying to find answers and his footing in the arena of advocacy. So uh, I said to him, you know, there's this national conference happening in Ottawa this fall uh, called Going Forward Lessons Lee Learned from Victims of Crime. And they haven't invited any victims. Well, you know, what I really meant is they haven't invited you and me. <laughs> but they didn't know who the fuck we were, so it didn't much matter. But but true, they uh, they invited victims who had become politicized, had become part of the NGO game, really. What, I, what I've often alluded to as the right, quote, right victims. And I said, you know, we should go and we should crash this event, which is exactly what we did. We went to Ottawa, and 
you know, for, for him, it was a big deal that, you know, at the plenary at the beginning, he was on the mic to the left. I was on the mic to the right. And he orchestrated all this, by, by the way. I met him in Hall the night before, and he said, this is what we're going to do. And I was green. So I said, okay, just tell me what to do. I'll follow your lead. He said, I, I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to say I'm the father of Julie Boisvenu, uh, murdered in 1990, um, no, I think it was 2001. No conference speaks for Julie. I speak for Julie. And then I say the same thing about my sister. Anyway, it was a big deal for him. And he tells this story. And uh, uh, I had my daughter up there with me. Um, he's very, very nice. And got this certificate. It's on. It's hanging on my wall here. I'll, I'll read it out to you. Um, it says... It's broken. No, it's not. Um, it says, on behalf of the Senate of Canada, the Senate sesquicentennial medal is hereby conferred upon you in commemoration of the 150th anniversary of the Senate of Canada in recognition of your valuable service to the nation. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm not Spider-Man. Uh, and it's signed by the Speaker, the Speaker of the Senate of Canada, and the Honorable Senator Pierre Hugues uh, Boisvenu from the riding of La Salle, Quebec. Um, <clears throat> but that wasn't the most exciting thing about this uh, this event for me. Um, the most exciting thing is, uh, uh, in addition, I mean, there there were many recipients here. Um, uh, and I don't know them, but maybe you will. I won't read them all off, but um, uh, Le Projet de Mobilie, um, uh, Centre de Femmes au Quatre Temps, um, uh, Maria Morani, who I, I sort of recognized, uh, Mario Richard, uh, Bikers Against Child Abuse. There were two bikers there and they were patched out with their vests and... Uh, <laughs> you know, I talked to a few people, but when I talked to these guys, all we talked about was hockey, <laughs> you know. Um, but the most um, striking thing for me is, uh, so the first family is called up to um, to the mic, and uh, and it just it just didn't uh, register with me at first is uh, André Béchard and Michel Bergeron kind of an elderly couple um attractive and and they're up at the mic and the, I think and I'm looking and I'm like man that woman looks like Marilyn Bergeron and then I'm like oh cuz that's Marilyn Bergeron's mother Marilyn Bergeron we had Natalie Bergeron on the program uh earlier this year, uh, she's the sister of uh, Marilyn, who disappeared from uh, uh, Levy, Levi, Quebec, uh, um, ten years ago, eleven years ago, and so there um, is the famille uh, Bergeron Béchard, who I, I knew had done some great, great uh, advocacy in the Quebec City region, but I was uh, I, I was just kind of struck by. You know, they, they, you know, I'd seen them on TV and stuff like that, and but there they were. And uh, Natalie and I are quite close, um, as close as we can be, having never met. But uh, so, like immediately when it was over, her father uh, Andre uh, came over and uh, was like, in this very broken English, said, "I know you because you know Natalie." You know, with just like great pride, and um, uh, it was just it was just really sweet. So then, you know, I met um, Natalie's mom, and we're just kind of talking and having a good time. And it was, um, yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm making light of it because I don't like to make a big deal of myself. But it was a really nice evening, and it was uh, it was nice to get this this medal. Uh, it's big. It's it's like the it's like the size of a hockey puck or like a hockey puck if you cut it in half 
I think it's made of, made of bronze. Um, I'll post a photo of it. Uh, it was it, all kidding aside. It was a great honor, and I, I truly appreciated um, being um, a recipient of the Set on of Canada uh, Canada's award. Consequence. So that was that. But you know, you still have to get home. So there I am. I'm riding the metro. You know, it's kind of pathetic. I'm alone. Daughter's out with friends. We're texting back and forth. She's like, hey, Dad, can you bring home my leftovers? So there I am, rather sadly, on the metro, sitting there with my medal and a container of half-eaten poutine. Um, I get to the metro station in uh, Point Saint Charles, and uh, I get out. It's it's dark. It's slightly snowing. It, it's early. I left early. It's it's maybe it's maybe nine thirty something like that. And so I'm walking through Point Saint Charles, back to Paul's place, and uh, I'm dis I'm disoriented because. Uh, um, I, I've been to the point uh, during the day. I've never been there at night, so it's snowing, it's dark. Um, uh, Point Saint Charles is, um, it can be very dark and claustrophobic uh, feeling, especially, you know, at night and creepy. Um, so I'm using MapQuest to go home. So it, it, it's telling me my route. Um, so I'm walking and I don't know where I am and I turn this corner and I almost jumped out of my skin because they're like sh- shining at me, you know, with this glow because it's it's still open is the uh, Depanneur convenience store Shea Burt. And if you remember... Uh, Shea Burt was the convenience store where Tammy Leakey was headed uh, the night she disappeared. Young young kid, her mom sent her out for milk for the tea or coffee they were making with their uh, family visit to a friend. Use an extra quarter, buy yourself some candy bars. This is all in the... Last season's episode, um, The Curious Case of Tammy Leakey, number 17, that kid uh, uh, never came home from Shea Burt. She, and I think they believe, believe they found the pint of milk in a candy bar in the gutter in uh, Point Saint-Charles. She, she was found uh, murdered. In uh, over by Dorval Airport in the industrial part of Dorval, so and and it's still open. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this is this it's this is ridiculous, right? I mean, of all places, how am I here? And I'm like, should I should I go in? I mean, what if I go in, right? What if I go in and it's like you know, it's like. Mr. Law, we've been waiting for you since 1981. Would you care for the addition of fellow police? <laughs> it's been waiting for you for 40 years. Mr. Law, would you care for a sippy sack? <laughs> would you care for a vachon cake? They've been waiting for you for decades, right? I mean, what if they go in? <laughs> It's like this time trip, right? It's, it's trying not to lose my shit, right? And so, I, of course, I don't. I don't go in, right? I mean, I'm not going to go in. Uh, sort of rush by, but it was really like, like this ethereal glow in the in the snow. I will post a a photo. So I'm, and then MapQuest takes me like this detour along this really weird path like next to the rail yard and it's really 
friggin' dark. And I'm thinking, fuck, my daughter's got to come home the same route. Uh, so I'm like, just just get home, just get home. Turn another corner, uh, you know, just just on Wellington. And where am I? I'm I'm in front of the place that was the pizza parlor where, where Sharon Pryor was headed, right? I mean, what are the odds? What are the odds that some mapping software takes me to both these locations? And I'm like, you know, at this point, I'm like, fuck you, Paul. You know, fuck you for living... <laughs> in Point St. Charles. You could have lived in Little Burgundy. You could have lived in Verdun, but no. You, you fucker. You, you choose this, this place. You, anyway. So, you know, I, I get back home, get my shit together. I'm texting my daughter, like, where are you? I'm, well, I'm, I'm on my way home. I'm like, okay, I'm, you know the station, right? Yeah, I know the station. Okay. Um, and y- you've mapped it? Yeah, I got it on Google Maps. Don't don't worry about it. Okay, fine. Get home. So I'm waiting and I'm kind of clocking in my mind the amount of time it will take her to get here. So, you know, when I think it's a, a reasonable amount of time, you know, you know, I text her and... Um, and she's like, I, I just got off the subway. And I'm like, okay. Okay, so it should take about 10 minutes from, from here. Wait five minutes. Text her. No response. And and I'm, you know, I'm like, come on, come on. You know, I'm trying not to panic. But at the same time, I'm trying to be overly cautious because that's what I should do. So, uh, you know, I... I go outside of the place, you know, in my bare feet in the snow, and I'm like looking down the street, and I don't see anyone. I don't see anyone coming, um, and cars are driving by, and this is true. Cars are driving by, and I'm, well, at the same time looking down the street, I'm looking at the car to see if there's an unwilling passenger, you know, in the front seat, who's like screaming to get out or something. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm not, I'm not kidding. And uh, I'm like, okay, if something is really bad, you can't be running around here out in the in, in your bare feet. You, you got to get prepared. So I'm like, it's going to take a little more time, but get in the house, get your hiking boots on. It's going to take a while to lace them up. You know, put your coat on, gloves, the whole thing, because you might be out here for a while. At the same time, while I'm doing this, like two or three minutes of preparation, my mind is also going, yeah, but you know, in the time that you do this, when you come out, she's going to be coming down the street. Dressed, out the door, down the steps, look up the street, nothing. So I start walking out to Wellington. And nothing, nothing, nothing. Finally, because it was so dark, she almost passes me on the the other side of the street. I almost miss her. And I look over and she's walking and she's got her headphones on. And I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, why didn't you text me? My cell phone died. <laughs> um, and how did you find the place? Well, I... I memorized the the map before the phone died. Smart. Uh, but the consequence. This, you know, this this is how life serves it up. Uh, you you can enjoy things, um, but don't enjoy them too much, because. Uh, Sometimes coming around the corner is like a huge bag of um, this panic and fear. So that was funny and scary and true. I'm going to... Second part here. Tell you to lighten things up a little. <laughs> I'll tell you what else 
I was doing in Montreal. I didn't just go to Montreal to get an award. Um, uh, since I was going, I, I, I chose a couple of journalists I wanted to work with. Um, one is a guy named uh, Benoit Dutrezac, who's like a radio personality. He now has um, like a t- television show like on public access. It's a good station. It, it's like uh, the equivalent of TV Ontario. Um, and I've seen some of his stuff. And, um, you know, he's really admired for doing long form pieces. Uh, uh, not, you know, traditionally, you know, he doesn't ask uh, the obvious questions. He really sort of delves into things. Um, it's French language, which I like um, more and more. I, I just find the 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 English outlets in Quebec are not um, particularly productive. I would I would say uh, it's nothing. It's nothing personal. I think I think they don't. They don't have the budgets in some cases that some of the others do. Um, and uh, so, so I, he had contacted me, I think, I think as far back as May and said, uh, if you're in Montreal, you know, look me up and we'll, we'll make something, we'll make something happen, which I, I was, I was glad to do. He's a very influential v- voice. Um, and um, I was very specific that I, I what I, I didn't, I didn't want to talk about my sister's case, Teresa Lor, um, for one reason because I can't because I'm I'm you know I'm writing a book on it, and for the other reason I just don't want to. I'm just I'm just tired of telling that story, uh, quite frankly. Um, so uh, he, and he said he didn't want to do that. What he he wanted to focus on the podcast because um, he he had listened to it and, and liked it, and I said, well, I'm. Right on for that. I'm 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 all for that. And interesting, what he wanted to do was he wanted to feature two podcasts. The other that he featured is the podcast of Julien Morissette, who is a guy from the Gatineau, which is just like north of Ottawa. And Julien did um, a five-part podcast on the um, 2011, I believe it is, uh, murder of uh, Valerie Leblanc. And um, it's it's really really good. Um, it's very French, so you, you got to be up on your French. But it's it's well done. I mean, I don't have the patience um, to put the time into. You know, there, there's interviews and tons of research, um, and uh, I, I the, the maybe one day I'll do a podcast on the LeBlanc case not right now because because he's done such a good job uh, it's an interesting case again a young Cégep student at the University of uh, Ottawa um, she disappears she's uh, I think she's 19 and she's eventually found in the backwoods behind the school um and um, the body was, it's, it's horrible. The body was tampered with by some students who found it. Um, I mean, the, the technical term is mutilation, but there's no telling exactly what they did. But ultimately what they did is they tampered with a crime scene and made it very, very difficult to um, solve the case. It's still unsolved. So that's Valérie Leblanc and Julien Morissette. Um, so I met him. But, but but before that, um, they had said to me, well, what are you doing Thursday morning? And I said, well, I'm actually meeting the Sarté de Quebec at 9.30. And they said, you are? We're meeting the Sarté de Quebec at 9.30. We have, a, we have an interview at 9.30 with, uh, with the uh, porte-parole, the spokeswoman, uh, uh, Martine uh, Aslin. And I said, well, I'm, I'm meeting my... My handler, my cold case guy, Sylvain, and you're like, well, why, why don't we meet at the same time? Um, before the interview, you can, uh, you know, we can do a little shot out front. Benoit can talk to you. You guys can do a walk and talk intro, and then you can go and uh, do your. Um, I'll, we'll do our interview with Martin, uh, and you can do whatever business you're doing with uh, Sylvain. By the way, what is it you're doing with Sylvain? And I said, well, I don't want to discuss it, but um, 
So anyway, we show up, we we do that. And the whole thing is like a comedy of errors, right? I mean, we meet at the back of the SQ, the back entrance, which is the entrance for the staff, but also the entrance the entrance for media interviews. So you go in a door and there and then there's there's a like a FedEx delivery directly in front of you. To the right is the entrance to the media center. And to the left is like the employee badge entry where you need to scan things. And so like we're all standing in this little corridor, you know, it's like a French farce. People are coming and going through these doors, right? There's, there's, there's like detectives going in and scanning and then there's guys coming and delivering packages. <laughs> Media guy comes out, what are you doing? It's like, well, I'm waiting for Martin. Uh, okay, okay. What, what, what? We're not all waiting for Martin. I'm waiting for Sylvain. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's like we're in this extremely small space. It's like ridiculous. And so finally we get it all straight. And, and, and oh, oh, that's right. And, and at one point, Sylvain comes in like he's going to work and he sees me standing there and he goes, he goes, Mr. Allure? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I, he said, I knew it was you because I recognized your voice from the podcast. <laughs> he goes, hang on, let me just get settled. I'll be right down, right? And I'm like, do you want me to go to the front entrance? No, no, this is good. We can we can do it here. And of course, you know, the film crew is eavesdropping. Is like, what is it you're going to do? And I'm like, well, they're giving me back my sister's evidence. Um her wallet, her earrings, her watch, her ring. Because, uh, quite frankly, I don't want them to fucking lose that shit again. Um, and they were like, oh, really? That's that's a good visual. Uh, can we film it? And I said, well, it's that's not a question for me. So Benoit comes down with a bag of evidence. And another guy, um, Sylvain Jean, who I think is his, his supervisor, and there's this whole back and forth. We're, we're, we're like in a holding period because they're trying to get permission from the seniors to film all this, right? And uh, uh, eventually they, they refuse. They say, no, you can't, you, um, you can't film it. And so uh, anyway, they go off, they fuck off and, and do the interview with uh, Martin um, Actually, I think they went to the basement where the actual cold case files are, like the whole warehousing of evidence and, and stuff. And I was in the media room with the two Sylvains as they do this handoff, uh, do the handoff. And then that, you know, a couple of words of, uh, hey, no hard feelings, uh, you know, uh, a case is never closed, you know, the the typical SQ uh, tropes are exchanged and uh, yeah, 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 I know you got a job to do. I got a job to blah, blah. Um, and then um, the, the, the next goal was we we're going to do some more footage over at the Banque, at the, the library, the, the, the big Quebec library. So I walk over there. Um, I had made arrangements uh, with a guy, a, I, this may be the most boring podcast ever. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, I figured I'd just document this stuff, kind of day in the life. Um, so anyway, I go over there. Um, you know, you just a scanner. you got to put all your shit in a locker. You can't go in with all kinds of stuff. Um, but I had prearranged... Um, to have some articles pulled for some, some documents pulled for me specifically that I wanted to see. And they, it was great. They set me up with this handler at the library, a librarian named, another guy named Sylvain. Um, And uh, he was, he was great. I mean, this guy could find stuff really fast. Uh, He was very helpful. So uh, film crew shows up. Um, and we go in the basement of Banque next to the, there's a cafeteria down there. And, uh, we do this, this interview with, uh, with Benoit and Julien, the two of us together talking about our podcasts and, um, you know, it'll, 
I'm sure there'll be a platform eventually when it, it's going to broadcast this month, December, where I can um, I can show that um, to people. Um, but uh, it, it it was really great. Uh, just the the quality of the questions, um, the insightfulness. Uh, um, I mean, like it, it at one point, Benoit said something like, "But who the fuck are you guys?" Who the fuck are you to, you know, push and prod? I mean, you're not trained investigators. I mean, he was, he was obviously, you know, he was priming the pump with that because we gave right back about how, you know, we had every right to to push and prod when no one else was doing it. Uh, least least of which the police, but certainly the media. And since. Um, investigative uh, journalism is um, all but dried up. So we gave as good as we got. Um, it was sort of an intentioned thing. And, and I just want to say, say uh, Julian Morissette was great. You know, he's a young guy, um, very energetic, very focused. His, his father is or was a Quebec coroner. So that's kind of his point of entry on these things. And... Um, his his next series of podcasts are going to be great. Um, some of you remember, I think it's 87, 87 or 97, the unsolved murder of Louise uh, Chapeau, Chaput. She's a woman from uh, Sherbrooke, Quebec, who went missing in the White Mountains of New Hampshire and was, was found, I believe, um, strangled or stabbed or both on top of a mountain there, still un, unsolved. He's he's going to tackle that case um, for... Um, and, and there's a really interesting uh, angle and thread of introduction that he has that is fascinating. I'm not going to spoil it for him. You'll just uh, have to hear it when it's released. So anyway, we finished we finished that up, and I was like, I gotta go, I gotta I gotta go at one thirty, I gotta go at one thirty. So they're, they're rushing, you know. They take some stock footage of me, you know, looking over one of those video or viewers and stuff, and, and, and had to run out of there because I had a second interview at one thirty. I sat down with uh, with Nicholas um, Nicholas. Uh, Berube, Berube, he's the writer from La Presse who did that long piece on the Diane Thibault case that got a lot of exposure. This was this back in May. So I think that's how uh, Benoit Dutrezac, that is how he first learned of me because I'm referenced in that article. He read the article, he listened to the podcast and that's, that's where he made the points. Um, anyway, um, Nicholas had said it. Uh, also, if you're ever in in Montreal, let's you know get together. I'd love to do a feature piece on your podcast. And again, I'm like I'm on. I'm all for that. Um, so I did an interview with with Nick uh, for about an hour, um, and. Um, uh, that that was sort of it. That was kind of my day. It was very exhausting. Uh, next day was the Friday, Friday of the award ceremony. I, um, as as I've alluded to, I I did an interview with uh, with Martin from the SQ's uh, media. I taped our conversation. That's not for this. It's for the book. Um, those questions. So I. As, as I said at the beginning, I'm not going to share that. Um, and then I had to go to, um, I had a, a quick uh, photo shoot across from the Place des Arts there, the, the mall. I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, with a guy named uh, Olivier for La Presse. Took some photos for the uh, uh, Nicolas uh, Berube article, which should be coming out uh, also in December and that was it that was my grand uh, couple of days in Montreal, Quebec trying to cram as much as I could um, and kind of 
focusing on things uh, strategically because I, I can't I can't do it all um, when I'm there and of course for the most part evenings are for family and uh, you don't get to go there because that's for me that's our podcast uh, for this week this is Who Killed Teresa. I'm your host, John Allure. Pete Shelley died um, this week, uh, frontman for the Buzzcocks, so we'll go out with the little Buzzcocks. If you like what you hear, please give us a great review. Um, talk it up on whatever um, podcast platform you listen on. Uh, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Justice Guy on Twitter, J-U-S-T-U-S-G-U-Y. And there's a podcast proper handle on Twitter for this show, which is at Teresa Lore, at T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E. Follow us on Facebook at Teresa Lore, the podcast. Lastly, there's a website, TeresaLore.com, T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E. I will uh, post any interesting uh, visuals that are referenced in today's show, uh, including um, photos from the ceremony and uh, a photo I took that uh, that Friday evening in the snow of the Depemer uh, Shea Burt. Again, this is Who Killed Teresa. I'm your host, John Allure. Thanks for listening and have yourselves a great, great day.
gym sessions and sweaty summer activities are back, which means more funky smells in your clothes because sweat leaves behind bacteria that causes those hard-to-remove odors. Clorox Fabric Sanitizer products are ready to zap the stink out of fabrics in your home by getting rid of 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria. Eliminate odors in every load or sanitize fabrics between washes with one of our Fabric Sanitizer products. Search Fabric Sanitizer at Clorox.com to learn more. When it counts, trust Clorox. Use as directed. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks.